Hi, and welcome to the 114th episode of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is Season 8, Episode 7, Chemical Mary. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle, And I am Tessa. How'd you like it? Huh. <laughs> uh, where to start? Okay, I love the episode. It, it went very fast. It was fun. I like that that it kept me on the edge of the seat. Um, and I, there is a lot of things to analyze. I have a couple of, of um, I, I can't even say that they're little quibbles because they're not. I mean, it's just that the writing was very Cerrone. That's all I can say about it. It's just that kind of, of writing like, like Requiem, that it is exciting and it, it just keeps on going. I mean, you will watch that episode and you will be talking about it and analyzing it and thinking about it for months to come. Yeah, I walked away from it and several of us, uh, several friends of mine that, that watched The Blacklist as well, we were all watching at the same time all over the world and, and live commenting in our little chat group. And I, when I finished it, I said, okay, that that's one of those episodes that I feel like I could watch multiple times and keep gleaning new information from. It's definitely going to be a two or three time. I watched it twice, and then I went back and spot watched a couple of spaces because mm. there was just so much information in there. Mm. And I think that there may have even been, because one, and we can get into it when we get into, well, let's just jump into it. Let's jump yeah. in with Liz, because... There was so much information in there that when I stopped, I mean, because the first time through, I'm just trying to enjoy the episode. You know, mm -hmm. I've got a glass of wine, so, you know, not anymore because it's eight o'clock Pacific time. But, you know, I used to eat dinner watching it. You know, I just whatever the case, you know, I'm watching it, but I'm not I'm just getting the high level of it first mm -hmm. time through because I know I'm going to do a rewatch the next morning. And so when I was doing my rewatch, we're recording this on Saturday evening. I was doing my rewatch this morning and I got to the whole this was Liz's plan, you know, section of our episode. And I went, wait a minute, backed it up, backed it up, listened again. And I just I kept rerunning because we, we had two different sections. The first with Cooper and Red. Oh, this is what happened. And then it was slightly different between Red and Bay. And the general idea, from my understanding, and Tessa, you can Sandy mm -hmm. check me on this, because this is how I understood it. Her full plan, according to outside sources, because we mm -hmm. haven't seen Liz, this is the third episode, we have not seen Liz, you know, seen her face. We have had references to her. We've had people making requests on her behalf. We've supposedly had people talking to her on the phone. But this show doesn't shy away from two-sided phone conversations where you're flipping back and forth. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But they haven't been doing that. It's always, yes, Agent Keen, you know, uh, like we had with the freelancer this time. But he was talking to her. We had his side of the conversation, but never hers, which is a red flag for me. But the as the task force in red seemed to understand the plan that Liz unfolded here, she hired a lawyer to get the freelancer out. The lawyer got the freelancer out. Liz called her, you know, what, what the freelancer owed her to kill Mary Brenner, who was Chemical Mary, by mm -hmm. taking down the plane. Liz used the freelancer because she knew the task force was going to come get him. Mm -hmm. They knew enough about him that they'd be able to figure it out and this plane wouldn't actually go down. Um, and then Hire the translator. Yeah, and then it looks... To get to Chemical Mary. Yes, and then it looks like she saved Mary's life. Ergo, she would be in Mary's debt. That is where they landed at the end of the episode. In that's the what Red thinks happened. Yes, exactly. That That's where Red and, and also Cooper and Dembe, that, that whole group seems to believe happened. It doesn't track. The logic does not track. Uh, so let, let's start with even just the plane because I know just enough about aviation because my dad was a pilot most of my life and 
I mean, I, I have never gotten my pilot's license, so this is all, like, very much third-hand sort of knowledge. <laughs> um, but in general, most planes, especially international flights, are flown by or fly-by-wire, which means they take the pilot takes off. The entire trip is done on autopilot. A, a computer runs this, and then the pilot lands. And some of them, I think they can even take off and land, you know, mm-hmm. without the pilot. They, they're basically just there... Like in this case, where if something goes wrong, the pilot's there to to catch it and and fix it. But they are, especially when they're in an airliner like this, they're up in the clouds. They're very reliant on their on their um, system checks and all of this. And so it was it was both a very terrifying idea and, you know, that someone would just insert a thumb drive and rewrite what's being read out. But it also makes a whole lot of sense to me, which is scary. I'm going to think about the next time I fly. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that that's cool. I can get behind that. But the whole making Mary look like she gets on the plane does not track at all. So she, when, and I haven't been to France in quite a while, um, but I don't believe they're very different than flying here in the U.S. So you go through custom, or you, you go through a TSA check, you're showing your boarding pass there. You're showing your ID there. And they're saying Liz theoretically walked through with Mary's information. Liz looks nothing like Mary. She couldn't have gotten past that sort of security. And so theoretically, Liz goes in with the information. She goes. She takes a seat. She drops the boarding pass into some random woman's purse. And that woman boards as Mary. How? I mean, like, even if you make these well, that, wild that's assumptions... What the, that's what the task force believes. But that's absurd. I mean, even if you make the wild assumption that you found a person that still uses a physical uh, boarding pass instead of on their phone, you're hoping that they didn't stick it in their pocket or stick it somewhere where they know where it is and it's just in their purse. Or somehow well, they're making the assumption that it's magically getting read. I, hold on, hold on. None of that tracked. None of it did. Well, you're gonna make some some sort of of you know it, it's it's fiction. I I understand that. I, I do. But the easy way to get around that, there's another way you could have written that to get the exact same result, which would have made it much more believable. She has all this money. She's able to hire people, hire a hacker to hack some person's phone that already has their boarding pass on it and exchange the information. Boom. Done. Much more believable. Well, that that, that was weird. I, I agree there. It, it's one of those little weird stuff that it doesn't bother me terribly. Um I'm not sure it would have if the whole thing, it it was the first, the first string that I went, wait a minute. And I started pulling on and going, none of this makes sense. So what I took from it is the task force assumes that Mary boarded that plane. They don't really know how they don't know how they're saying that's what happened, but they don't know what they know is that they think Mary's on that plane and Liz is going to take down that plane, which would be the first thing to say what couldn't they guy just kill her in another way i mean she's a criminal come on it's not like everybody's going to be saying like oh my god what happened you know she's a wanted war criminal you know it can't be that difficult why something that flashy that flashy that kills so many innocent people yeah so to me feels that sure Hiring the freelancer made everybody think that the freelancer was going to kill Red. That also didn't make any sense because Red doesn't travel on planes with people, doesn't travel on trains unless he's like that's. So the whole thing was like like Berlin trying to hire Lord Baltimore to track a man who doesn't even use a smartphone. That doesn't make any sense. And uses a bunch of alliance aliases and the whole thing. So just that didn't make any sense. But at the end, I'm 
confident that it somehow will make sense. I mean, that that's the kind of things that I had seen that got me a little like, you know, maybe we're supposed to just take it with like in the big picture. Well, and, and that, that's the thing that for me is when I started really digging deep into this and started looking at the step by step by step. And that's when I went, okay. So this doesn't make sense. Yeah, that means one of two things. Either the writing team just got super lazy on us and but we're just is... like, it's fine. Nobody will notice, which I, you know me, I have a lot of trouble believing that this team is too good for that. Or we could be playing the point of view game, mm-hmm. which Blacklist writing team is fantastic at. And so we're being delivered improvised the task force by Red, by people work, theoretically working with Liz, the freelancers, uh, and we're not seeing Elizabeth King. We're hearing her name dropped con- continuously. Supposedly, she's orchestrating all of this, but we don't see her. There has to be a real and pointed reason to take your leading lady out for multiple episodes. Last time they took her out was because she was pregnant. She was having a kid. There was an extenuating circumstance. That's not the case here. As far as anybody knows, there's no extenuating circumstance that's requiring Megan to be off air. And so that, to me, says it's a writing choice. You know, just with the information we have, that says it's a writing choice. And so I'm wondering... If we're being handed this information to lead us down the red herring path when something else is going on, we have a it's entirely possible. Yeah, we have a doppelganger episode coming up. Um, maybe when Liz flew off with Agnes, you know, that last scene that we the last time we saw her in 804, maybe that's the last time Liz was out in the open. Either she's in hiding and people are using her name or she's been kidnapped and people are using her name. I don't know. Um, That's just one possibility. But when things don't track, it either means... One of the two. Yeah, something funky is going on with the writing team or they are doing what they do well. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping and I'm inclined to believe the more I think about it and the more I look at all the evidence here that they are playing a point of view game, making the audience go, oh, well, this is information I received without yeah. stopping yeah. to think. But does the person delivering the information have all the facts themselves? Yeah. Well, that, the answer, that, that is and, no. And that is being happening with this whole thing with N13 and Sikorsky and Rakitin and the whole thing. I mean, and this started with with that part of the misinformation that started all the way down in, in season seven. So this is this is not new, and it could be something to that. I mean, I didn't think about a doppelganger, but there is certainly something in the fact that she didn't take Mary. If if that is what happened, she didn't take Mary to ch- exchange a favor, and that's a very dangerous person to have uh, as an enemy of yours. Exactly. Um, I mean, and so she's had her locked away. Why would she do that? She's she's doing these things for money. So what is the dif- the difficulty? If she really wanted Chemical Mary to take Red out, how difficult would it be to just simply say, "How much do you want for that?" I mean, the woman is selling her chemical weapons to whoever wants them. So what's the difference? Exactly. None. None. Especially so, if she thinks that Liz saved her life. Yeah. I mean that. That would be if she was using her for that. That would be the logical step. Yeah. Now, but she has her locked away like a prisoner. The the reason for all this, and I said, you know, I got my quabbles is is the is as follows. Um, if somebody has her, let's say that she's in hiding and somebody's acting in her name, doesn't seem reasonable to me. It has to be, if if that is what's going on, it has to be that she is being kidnapped. Um, I think that's more logical, yes. Yeah, I would agree. it is a more logical thing. But that means that whoever is doing this has the same mindset as Red. Because it's what the game they're playing is exactly game, Red's game. 
you create a problem for somebody, you solve it like Red did with Ivan. You know, they staged that entire thing that Red shot wrestler and the whole thing. And so that's that's exactly what's what's going on. It could be. And then, I was going to say, and Dembe even called that. He said, this sounds like something you would have done. Mm-hmm. So, so that is an interesting thing, and that leads me to, to one of two things. Either, either somebody uh, has Liz, like Townsend, or um, Katarina came into the scene and decided that um, this kid has just gone berserk, and she needs to go into a nice, lovely sleep <laughs> before we can talk things over. I mean, she could be holding her like Kirk did, you know, back in season four, where she had, where Kirk had heavy, heavy sedatives. Oh, I mean, Katarina is smarter than Kirk was, so probably. Yeah, (laughs) and and guards and chains and things like that. I mean, keto is for your own good. Um, (laughs) You need a nice sleep. You've had a lot of upset. Um, But there is, you know, that, that whole thing. Could very well be. I mean, the whole plan didn't make any sense. Um, in that sense that why would you do that to Chemical Mary instead of just simply say, hey, you know what? I want to hire you. I mean, how many people have hired her for stuff? You know, she has the money or whatever. And someone made the comment uh, in our group chat that I'm in. So I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't, I don't remember who called it, but it was a very valid statement. Even if she was just wanting to set it up to look like that, you didn't have to actually... Almost kill two, two friends yeah. full of people. Because they, exactly. they realized what it was in the in. nick of time. Yeah. All you had to do was send the freelancer in. You didn't have to actually do anything. You can design it to make it look like something happened. Without, you could have put an empty thumb drive in there. And it's still it still would have looked like they just caught it early enough that it was yeah. a, it was a dangerous thing. Yeah. It, it just, the whole thing, it's a little weird. I can't complain about not seeing Liz. I, I, my, I am enjoying my listication. Still. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 was, I find it exhausting, but that's, it's just different points of view. It's fine. Um, but yeah, it was very theatrical. It was overly theatrical. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the episode had, um, I mean, that, that thing with, with, I mean, all this with Liz and all that, I find fascinating, but nothing like what's going on with, with Sikorsky, Rakitin, and 13 and the whole thing. That's a whole different level of point of view game that we have ever seen in the blacklist. Did you recognize the congressman? No. The actor? No. He he was the the big bad in the redemption episode The Hostage. Oh, that's why he looked a little familiar. I looked at him and went, "Oh, I know him. I know him. I think he was on that episode of Redemption and went and looked him up on IMDb and I went, mm. <laughs> or PD yeah. And yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> so that was, we, I don't think that was what, because they, they've done that where they've crossed actors before. Yeah, I mean, it's in New York City. Eventually, you're going to get people that playing two roles in, in similar series or whatever. Yeah. But I, I just, I thought it was interesting. Like, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, draw a parallel or anything with that. But I, I did think it was interesting that they, because he was a bigger role. I mean, he was a big bad for it. Mm. And so I was, a little surprised that they used him again in another, you know, clear role like that. It just, it was a little odd, but hey, you know, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. He did a great job with it. And some, we, uh, we got some more information. That's one of those. Do you guys have all the facts? How much can we believe it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get to all that, I, I don't know if you have anything on Liz and, and, um, I mean, the rest of the, we have some stuff with Aram and the, and, the, and the thumb drive, the whole thing. But we have to address that conversation at the beginning. Because 
I know that he is a master in this kind of loaves of bread that hit you on the head. But this was, I'm almost feeling insulted. Which I, conversation are you talking about? Oh, with Red. With, with Red. Red and Dembe okay. at the beginning. I'm trying to think about a ROM, and I'm going, conversation. No, 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 no. <laughs> Red right. and Dembe at the beginning, yeah. talking about the article about the road not taken. Yeah, that was, it was one of those, this is really bizarre, and I feel like we're going to understand it better later, but right now I got nothing. Oh, I don't know that we're going to understand that better <laughs> later. Okay. It was bizarre. I it mean, was very bizarre. this is just like all these things, like just like when you put her in my arms 30 years ago, or or all this, you know, as a baby, and all these things. I mean, this is Saronis, this is he's a master at it. I'm peeved at this one. I I really need better. I need something. I need better. I need to to be like thinking, oh my God, did I get everything wrong for more than a couple of hours? Um. But even this, as I'm hearing it, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. First. We got this this lovely story about this woman who has a father and she enrolls in beauty school and the father can't understand her. So instead of trying to make her understand him, he enrolls in beauty school in order to understand her. Right. So that's the gist of the story. It's a story about two ways of parenting. One of them is you try to understand your child versus you try your child to understand you. Ideally, it would be both. But um, yeah, why why try both? Would you why want? be healthy in this? Yeah. Well, so, all good, right? So, they're talking about this and as a consequence of this conversation about this story about a father trying to trying to understand his daughter, Demba then says, I think you understand this plenty enough, more than you want to. So, all good there, right? Because there's a story about a father and a child. Demba makes a, a comparison, a parallel that makes it evident that Red, that she, he's putting Red in the role of a father and Liz in the role of a daughter. All good. It makes sense. Negated again by Red saying, the road not taken. If if I were her father, which I'm not, then I would try to maybe I would I would want to, to understand her better, which I you know, which I don't. Okay. So Demba is making the comparison, knowing the relationship that Dem that Red negates later. So at this point I'm like Okay, so this means A, he excommunicated her, or this is completely from this point of view, or none of what is being written makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> because if Demba is making the comparison, then Red says he's not, then what is Demba confused? Well, we've we've discussed before that Dembe is one of our few reliable narrators in this show. And so it was and I agree with you, that whole scene was so weird. Because, I mean, it was just out of the blue. Red's going, hey, listen to this story. And Dembe's like, yeah, I'm tracking that logic. I'm following it. And let me respond to it. And Red's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, why'd yeah. you bring it up, honey? You know? Yeah. It, the whole thing made no sense whatsoever. So if it's either from Red's point, from Liz's point of view, well, she doesn't think I'm her father because she thinks I'm an imposter who took the name. And therefore, I shouldn't be trying to understand her or and then maybe she wouldn't be trying to kill me or I mean, we just descended to a whole new level with this loaf of bread. It's just this. I mean, we're not even at a loaf of bread. This is like a stick that you take out and hit people on the head with it <laughs> and tell them it's a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah, it was a loaf of bread. Hey, it didn't hurt. Right. So um, that got me like. Okay, I know they've done this. They did it with Sutton Ross when when he's telling when Dembe's telling Red that Ross wants revenge on him. You know, even Red is saying like I didn't give him this stuff. Of course, nobody gave it to him. He stole it. But 
it's the same kind of situation when when Dembe is saying, well, Ross wants revenge on you because he thinks you ruined his life. Not the bones in the bag, because what kind of revenge it is against the bone in the bag? Bones in bags generally don't care where they are, what they do with them. You know, they're past that point. So this whole thing is a, is a step up from that into total nonsense. So that got me a little peeved. Um, it and felt very disconnected. Very disconnected. Even if they were trying to, I mean, they, they've gone back and forth so many times on is he or isn't he? And, uh, you know, there are certain people in the fandom that feel very strongly that they've confirmed or denied. And you have people with all sorts of theories on it. And I'm sure that they love that in the writer's room because it gets people talking. Mm-hmm. But just the offhand, the forced way that they brought in this offhanded denial is the best way I can think to phrase it. It was just so bizarre and felt off. It just didn't hit right. And I don't, I'm hoping that we'll understand it better sometime in the future. We'll get more information and it'll make more sense. I have to hope that because it was otherwise they really missed the mark on that scene, and I don't know what they were trying to do. I mean, if without Dembis coming, it would have made sense. Yeah. Because then it would have been like, yeah, well, if I were, I would have maybe tried to understand it, but I'm not, and maybe, you know, maybe she wouldn't be trying to kill me. Exactly. Yeah, but she's not trying to kill you because you're her father or not. She's trying to kill you because uh, she thinks you kill her mother. Um, you know, so you're missing why she's killing you. That's also not good, Red, what you got. Like, you know, we're like deep into Alzheimer's here, if not. Like, you're confused. Um, I mean, she told you as much. So that that that, that scene got me peeved. And it, it's like, I, you know, if you're going to give me something to, to sink my teeth, it's, it cannot be sinkable. I mean, this is like, what nonsense is this? Um, you know, is Demba confused or is Red confused or is that supposed to confuse me? But I mean, We're how did it work? <laughs> yeah. So that was it. So now let's go into the really interesting stuff of this episode, which was the whole thing was that drive. Yes. Uh, uh, Rakitin, I think is how they were pronouncing it. Mm-hmm. So that was absolutely fascinating. That was one of those things that I went back and like right before we started recording, I, I did this spot watch of the whole conversation between the congressman and Cooper. I loved how they introduced that, where this guy who's the chairman of the intelligence committee said, I don't know why you're here. And as soon as Rakitin's name comes up, he goes, okay, yeah, we don't know anything. Have a nice day. And, and just refuses to talk to him, not because he's being a jerk about it, but because he's the head of the intelligence committee and he has nothing on Cooper. Mm-hmm. And so he's not, he is acting in a very logical sort of way for his, his station where he's at. I loved how that fell out. And I love the fact that he went back to Panabaker and Panabaker's response was, but he won't piss on your leg and tell you it's raining. <laughs> exactly. So that was that, you know, I love when they, when they get Panabaker involved but that, I mean, that scene was fantastic. I love that interaction between Cooper and the congressman. It felt very real and all that. And then, you know, he actually goes back and tells him about this. This is all great. Now, Cooper is saying, yeah, I think that that, that drive may have been, that information may have been intended for one of our most wanted. So basically, he's telling, you know, who is, who's this information from and the interesting thing that happened with all this is when red goes to see sikorsky again at the end sikorsky already knows that cooper knows and there is only a few sources for sikorsky to know this is panabaker the congressman or Aram? i don't think it'll be a wrong I have a really hard time believing it would be a Aram. Um, we did have some interesting moments with Aram in this episode. We had the wanting to go with, to Paris and people acting very strangely about that. I understood Cooper's, hey, I want you to stay here and do what I told you to do. But the whole, you know, we'll get your croissant. We'll tell Mona Lisa hi for you. Felt very 
high schoolish. Uh, just it was bizarre, very very immature the way they were mm. responding. I mean, it's Paris. If you get to go on a business trip to Paris from America, anybody wants to go. It's it's nice, it's exotic, it's fun. Um, but it just that there were some very odd moments with Aram where it felt like he was consistently being told no in this episode. Like, go get back in your box. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was very strange also because we know that there is a hacker involved. Yeah. Um, so we got a hacker and we got a ram with a set of skills. Um, and if you wanted to get somebody who has been completely undetected for a long time, who better than a ram? On uh, the other what about, hand. What about his buddy from the NSA? It, the, but the buddy from the NSA would not know about Liz Keen. Would not know that Liz Keen is the one who gave that to 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 uh, Cooper. Would not know Cooper is involved. So yeah, this is maybe ve- maybe not. I mean, he he might know that Aram answers to Cooper. It's, yeah, I but mean, not not what yeah. the connection to Liz Keen is. So that limits this to Cynthia Panabaker, who was told what Liz was doing in the last episode. The congressman, who also do not know about Liz Keen, so that takes out the congressman. So that leaves Panabaker and Aram as a source of that mole. Somebody told Sikorsky that Liz Keen was involved and that Cooper may have had they had they, they drive and may access the information. And Sikorsky may also be getting multiple lines of information and piecing it together and coming up with this as well. It just doesn't feel like it is that. I mean, to know that Cooper got it, I mean, we're you're basically into into Panabaker. The only one that intersects what the information that he's been getting is that is his mole in the government. And it's fascinating. This is another red hair now it's a spy. So this is this is really fascinating, especially because you realize that Panna Baker protected Liz and has been protecting Red on the task force as much as possible. So this is this is a whole different thing. And that brought me back to you're not going to believe this episode two, the freelancer. Okay. Not only because we have the freelancer in the episode. But remember what Liz was trying to investigate in The Freelancer? On her own, very clumsily. Tom, wasn't she? Tom's gone. Yeah. And remember where that gone came to? No, that was The Freelancer. Freelancer was episode two. Yeah. Tom was up in episode two. She started investigating Tom's uh, gun after Tom got home. And Eugene, no, in... Uh, yeah, that was Eugene. Wujing, okay. So, I actually okay. just Wujing. watched Wujing the other day. Wujing. Um, because we had a lot of references to that with the uh, the Car- Carol Danvers. Is that it? Is that the alias? But the alias she's been using has been the was the one from Wujing. So I went yeah. back and rewatched Wujing to see if there was anything that would jump out at me. So we we gained to this to this this epi- this area of the life where you know you're getting Carolyn Gibbons, you get. You get uh, the 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 gun that she found in in 101. The investigation she does into the gun by stealing the file, which is classified and redacted. And that file, when Red gets the guy of from the courier to give her the complete file, remember what they find in there. The the gun had been used in a murder. The murder was a she thought it was a Russian tourist. It was not. It was an SFB agent that was trying to defect with information about a mole. Now we're coming back to season eight and somebody's talking about a mole inside the government. Yeah. Ooh. But that would be the Wujing tie that I was looking for because we've had so many Wujing moments and callbacks that I was certain there must be something in there and I just couldn't find it when I went back and rewatched the but there you go I so just, it, the courier it, gives 
the, the Seth um, Myers, I think was a name, not Seth Nelson, gives her the name of the guy of of uh, they gives her the file, the classic, the unredacted classified file of a Russian agent defecting to the bureau with information about a mole inside the government. And now we're talking here and the congressman says there is a mole inside the government. And it's very high up. We don't know what it is. So this moles must be giving people like Rakitin, they, which is, who is a hacker, the information, where is the information so they can hack it? Do you think... If it, let, let's say, just for argument's sake, right now it is Cynthia Panabaker. Do you think that maybe she encouraged, because she, she obviously gave Cooper the, you know, the stamp of approval for the congressman. Maybe she did that so that it would lead the Intelligence Committee down a different path other than a mole inside the, the government? Well, we don't know what her real game is, because just because she's she may be the mole in Sikorsky's employee or that she's Sikorsky. No, we don't know what she's after. That's true. It, it's you know, it, it, it's always there. There is no there is no side. There's only players. So we can't we can't forget that. But that is very, very uh, interesting to me when I started thinking about that, you know, that mole and. And then you get a whole different level of things because you go back to that murder that was never solved. And the gun was Tom's, but he cleaned the gun, but he didn't clean the cartridge and he kept the gun. That only can mean that he had no idea that gun had been used in a murder. He cleaned the gun and he stored it clean with no prints. But that doesn't. But if he had if he had known it had been used in a murder, he would have disposed of the gun and the cartridge and everything. It would have been gone. I mean, he's too well trained for that. I I always wondered about why he kept the gun. So that means that he had the gun and he had no idea that the gun had been used for that murder. So Gina used the gun that was Tom's for reasons that we don't know. And Tom was there for reasons we don't know. Gina was there for reasons we don't know, but apparently was to kill this guy. So at that point, was Tom acting on behalf of the CIA, trying to get the guy to give the information to see? And Gina was there on behalf of somebody else, uh, killing it. Is there a connection? But then, because both of them were working for St. Regis at the time. So the question would be, I don't think Bud... hmm. Well... We don't know because they could have been hired by different people without the major knowing what they were doing. I mean, not necessarily they were working for him. He hires them to people. So who had hired Gina to go kill this guy? She said he was Red. And now I'm starting to thinking, was it Red? Did Red not want that that FSB agent to be talking about a mole? Or was that what she said because it would compromise Red? Very interesting. I love the line of thought. So we're having here this whole thing. And what confuses the issues here, and that's what they're doing absolutely brilliantly, kudos to the writers, is confuses utterly by people who are telling things about Sikorsky and N13 that do not make any sense. Because according to, to what they want us to believe, this is what's going on. Reddington is N13. But we know that it was Katerina because Dom said it was Katerina who stole it. But never mind. Red is N13. Maybe he just stole that to Sikorsky. So he steals the information, which is not encrypted, and gives it to Sikorsky, who now encrypts it. In order for him to then give it back to Red, unencrypted, in a drive that it's only protected with, a, with the, the print. How does that make any sense? Again, we're back to the situations of going, this doesn't track, so what's going on? Yeah. And I, you and I, I think we still share a, a very great respect for this writing team and their ability to use points of view. And Brilliant. And, and you know, what you call the, the Hall of Mirrors. 
you know, yes. that you think you're looking at something, but you're really seeing a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. And they've always been very good at it, the misdirect that they use. And I, I remember back, I think it was season six, um, you had the, uh, the Middle Eastern um, drug runner, I think it was. His, uh, his son was in Paris again. There have been a lot of callbacks. Mossadegh, yeah. Yeah, there have been a lot of callbacks to Paris. Something's going on with Paris. But you had, you know, you started with this kid who's dressed very, you know, like in the, the hoodie with the hood up and all this. And you he think looked, that he's the thug yeah, chasing he looked the girl. dangerous. You know, yeah. all of the cliches of this person is dangerous. And then it turns out he's the one being stalked. But it was a very, still to this day, I'm so impressed because I loved it so much. Their play on people's base assumptions and the the camera angles mm -hmm. to make it look like that but the blacklist writers are fantastic at making it look like they're going one direction and then shifting and going this is what we're saying all along and then when you look back you go they were saying that all along yeah. i was making assumptions and that's We've talked about that in Red Speak, that people make assumptions with Red. He'll make a statement, and people make assumptions, and he doesn't deny it, so they assume it's true. Yeah, he always did that. And he's very clever about that, because he always asks, for what was the question? And he doesn't answer until people keep asking questions. Until there's a question he can answer, people assume that he's answering all of them. He's not. He's just answering the one he can. When he wants to, but yes. So, it, it, and the whole thing with M13 doesn't make any sense. So, I'm thinking now that the original M13, M13 may have been Katerina, but I think that over time, that expanded. So, in a way, it's a play on the invisible hand. It's a play on um, uh, the deer hunter, in which the original one was a husband, and now the wife took it, um, that we're just... You know, that weird thing with Oleander that always felt like, really, he could not be called Narcissus, which is also poisonous in the plant, but at least it's a male name. He had to be called, like, Rose. But it, it also goes back to something Red said in the pilot episode. He said, nothing you think you know about me is true. Yeah. And so all of these things are from a certain point of view. They are, you think you have all the pieces of the puzzle, but we're dealing with that white puzzle he was working on in season four, I think, where he had, you know, I keep, that, that seems to be an image that has stuck in my brain for this show. Because with, with a normal puzzle, you have a general idea of what pieces fit mm -hmm. where because of the picture on it. You don't know that you're missing pieces in a white puzzle necessarily until you finally get to the end and you're going these don't fit together. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where we're at now is that things all look one, one way, way and they're not going to be they're really way. another. Yeah. They, but they actually fit a different way. I also thought that maybe the blacklist is actually coming from the, from the files, from the archives that those names that he's getting is a way to clear the table to do what he's doing. And I think it all goes back to that is that scene in 311 when Red shows her the map and tells her, you know, Katerina took some files that had information that compromises the cabal, the competitors and the people that work with them. And and that information is, is, and that's, you know, the original 13 files, and I think that it's been expanded. So this, this just brings me to, to this thing. We are all assuming things about Sikorsky. When all we know about him is he's an approximate age of red, as in he is Russian. We don't know if he's like Cooper, if he's like uh, Fitch. We don't even know if his, his name is Sikorsky. We've all been calling him that, but they call him our friend in the East. Yes. He doesn't have a name. I mean, I guess he probably has a name, but it's he's the friend in the East. Mm -hmm. Nobody on the show has called him Sikorsky. 
Not yet. And that was a leak because he, somebody um, wrote that in a tweet or something. But anyway, it's fascinating what they're doing because they're, and they, they kept putting like that Scooty Global. So I think that they're buying information, are they financing what they're doing? What is it they're all doing? And why is Sikorsky or the friend from the East giving red information? And then this, everybody's assuming that red is taking information, but that's not the truth. Red is giving information all the time. So I think that this is, that N13 is a group of former intelligence officers trying to find information that they can use to compromise the cabal. And agents embedded in other governments, they're naturals. You can make them do whatever you want because if they're found out, it's not going to be pretty in either country. Yeah, because the cabal is deeply embedded in the U.S. government. I mean, we saw that through Laurel Hitchin, through Fitch, mm-hmm. through uh, the the director, uh, Kostinopoulos. Kostinopoulos. Uh, thank you. Um, I mean, we saw at least three very high-ranking individuals there that were cabal. And yeah. so, and I, even though they're weakened, Fred made the con, and I still say that something's very fishy that he took a seat at the table on the west, uh, western mm-hmm. side of the cabal, and that just got dropped. That has not been mentioned again since. Yeah. I, I think that there is another part of the cabal in Bonn, Oh, yeah. And those are the people that are running the show. And I don't think that they know who they are. I think that Red took a seat at the table with the cabal when Laurel Hitchin was still alive Mm -hmm. as an attempt to get to Bond. Mm -hmm. To understand who they are. I don't think they know who they are. Yeah. Um, Matthias Solomon knows. It'd be interesting if we saw him circle back around. Because Mm -hmm. he worked for the people in Bond when he was working with, with the director he yes. said, our friends in Bonn. And so who has access to that information now? Scotty. Mm. I, you know, since Redemption didn't kick off, we don't know what happened to Matthias. We don't know if he circled back around to Scotty after all, and he's back to working with Halcyon, or if he's on the lamb somewhere. We, we don't know where Solomon is. Mm-mm. But I'd be very interested to bring him back around. He was, oh, he's been one of my favorite blacklisters. And Gina. I want to see yeah. Gina again. Me too. Oh my gosh, could you imagine Solomon and Gina in the same room? Oh, that would be perfect. There you have, there you have. That's a pair I can get behind. Oh. Yeah, see, I'm a big fan of Nez and Solomon. I don't know how it happened, but it did, and I fell down that rabbit hole. But I just I just want to see Gina and Solomon Gina, in the same I think same. Gina is, is much better for Solomon. I mean, but, imagine but the kids. I, I want to see, see those. Totally psychotic. With Tom. Like Tom in the middle going, no. <laughs> Make it stop. Maybe they will be like, yay. <laughs> Good. I Make think Tom would be terrified. Psycho kids. Oh, God. The world would end. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, there, there is so much going on that is now going all the way back to this, this earliest episodes that it just, um, and, and there is also this thing about Townsend. Uh, Blonde Cat believed that Townsend wanted the name of N13, but that was her. How on earth was was Townsend going to find out the name if he had a bounty on her head? I mean, for all you know, somebody killed her, cut off the head, and appear with a head like red with in, in Esteban, like here, or, or like your body was going to do with red and you had the bag already there. Like, yeah, that's how it, it's like, Oh, you needed to know if who was in 13. Oops. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Guess you're not knowing now. <laughs> do I still get the whatever millions you were giving? <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense. And it, it tells me that, Blonde Cat was one great element they used to introduce misinformation because she was gathering information here and there. And I think that a lot of the stuff didn't make any sense. I think Blonde Cat was walking misinformation. (laughs) I think that a lot of people fell for it, both on the show and off. I I think that 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 the. um, 
that the thing about her is that they make her so unlikable so you wouldn't you wouldn't believe that she was the victim but the truth is i think that everything she was saying is what she believed she just couldn't find head or tails in this thing and you know she's been used and but she did something and i don't know what it is but fascinating stuff i mean this this episode in, in general this season is 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 okay it's been very very nicely done i'm still not over the brimley misuse but yeah i think we're starting to get more information that may even feel like and that's what i mean that like and i watched it i was going eh, another liz Liz light or Liz, you know, non-existent free. episode. I mean, because it's not Liz free because there was a lot about her and mm-hmm. her name got dropped. Oh, that's something else I'd like to circle around to. The consistent use of Agent Keen. Yeah. What do you make of that? Because, I mean, not only are they doing it, not only is it the task force doing it, we had the freelancer calling her Agent Keen. We've had Red calling her Agent Keen. And the Bart is the only one saying, excuse me. Yeah, and, and we tried to calling, calling it and bringing it under a spotlight that it's, you know, she's not an agent anymore. Maybe that is exactly where they're going. And it reminds me of when we supposedly learned in season two that Tom was not Tom Keen, but he believed his name was Jacob Phelps. And everybody kept calling him Tom. And I said, you know what? I think his name is not Jacob. So there is something there that it may circle back to what this is not her doing this. Uh, that maybe all she did was try to bomb the hospital. And I am not oh, sure that we're not going to find that Cree Love and, and um, uh, Skovic were involved in doing some little um, manipulation. The brain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, just, I find it interesting. Of her is a little weird when she's doing this thing. It is. She gets that crazy look. Um, I remember back, you remember the episode with the little girl? Uh, she was deaf and she made the, uh, the, uh, yeah, um, the, uh, they, they were, oh, what do you call those? The, the little the, dioramas? Yeah, dioramas. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I remember the the opening scene of that, she had the crazy eyes going on there. And that's kind of what we've had with Liz lately is that they, they make her up. um, Just take, for example, uh, showing up at wrestler's doorstep. She looked like she hadn't slept in a month. She like, she looked crazed. And the next day, like her entire makeup was done differently. And on the plane with Agnes, her entire makeup was done differently than it was when she's, you know, about to punch the the detonator for the the bomb in the hospital. Just there are certain points that it's like these. They're doing the same with Blonde Cat. They're making her very hard, very crazy. So to me, it just I mean, we're going back to that and I will never get over the idea unless they tell me that that wasn't true that you know explicitly that kate had her memories change and i wouldn't be surprised if they were put something in there like kill red yeah and and that's what i was getting at is that i feel like it just makes me lean more into the theory that there's some there's some sort of switch in there that keeps getting flipped and it's putting her into this fight or flight mode of must kill Red. If I don't kill Red, I will never have my life. You know, the, this is all that matters sort of mm-hmm. thing. And only a few things can break her out of that. I, you know me. I don't think she's nearly as in love with uh, wrestler as wrestler is with her. But I think that he's, I think oh, she, no. called, she called him her, her island in the storm. I think that she's affectionate towards him. I think she's fond of him and that he is helpful in keeping her at least semi-grounded. And Agnes is certainly someone that helps her, but it took remembering her family. It took seeing the washer and connecting it with Tom and going, oh yeah, I've got a family. I've got people I love. And there are these switches that get flipped in her brain where she goes from murderers you know must kill red must kill red to oh i do care about these people i forgot 
Mm. It, it, there is something weird in in this going on, and I I keep and keep thinking that it it was either something that was implanted there by Kate in case that you know everything survived. There was always somebody there to kill Red if she if he did something, you know, expected to do, or B um, that that blonde cat did the same with Skovic. Or maybe they both did, and this brain by now it's a total mess. Was it wrestler called it? He scrambled his brain like an egg. What do you mean by that? I mean they scrambled my brain like an egg. <laughs> yeah. It. I mean she doesn't seem to know right from. This is another thing that that is. I get. <clears throat> I do get the idea that you know behind our back, behind this the screen, behind what we see. Liz had been doing a lot of things. We saw that when she has those notebooks and she had found, she'd been researching all these things. Every little bit of information, we saw it. I mean, she went to talk with this with the Orea guy uh, before they got blown up about Katerina Rostova. She's been researching every little bit that she gets. She got to that hotel in, in Dover. Uh, she's being obviously like crazy. She had all of his his shelf oh, companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, obviously like, she she kept an apartment and and all of that. I can kind of make sense of it. She's behind the scenes, not seen by us. She's being slowly putting together. She has passports. She has cash. She has a a lot of things that she's been getting ready for something. And that tells me that. There is a part of that that she's doing consciously, but I think there is a part of that that is unconscious. Why? And this may go back as as back of that shooting. Did she really shoot out of an accident, or had she already been kind of programmed to do things like that? Well, and that may go back to the warrior gene, from or to two. her going to. In season three, in uh, three o two, when she, when three o one, when she gets into the, into the uh, Russian embassy and says that she's a, an undercover um, agent, SVR agent. So what if she is? Well, I mean, we've talked about that before, kind of a la Alias, where it's a possibility that either Katarina or someone else, you know, connected to Katarina, did some sort of programming early on in Liz that was so that when she was, when, when she had adulthood, when she would be useful for it, she would have this implanted and they'd be able to trigger it in her. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was something that they played with an alias, uh, which Eisendrath was big on alias. So, you know, and we've seen a lot of parallels between mm-hmm. alias and the blacklist over the years. So I, I'm not I'm that's I'm not averse to that idea. I think that they may be something there. It's I mean, it, it's fascinating. Uh, and I think they're doing a great job this this season so far. I have no quabbles except for Brimley and now the conversation then. Yeah, the conversation was bizarre. It's, it's definitely a weird I one for it, me. I find it slightly insulting. <laughs> <coughs> I'm peeved. Yeah. Well. Um, the only other thing I really have, and it's just sort of in passing, it's Welcome to the Club Park. Now you also owe something to Raymond Reddington. Uh, it's, I mean, everybody saw it coming from a mile away. Of course, she called Red. Of course, Red's calling. He's telling her she's going to eventually owe him something. The thing about it that I thought was interesting is that she's, he, he told her that when he called his favor in, she might regret not taking whatever repercussions would have come from owning up to what she did. That it might be bigger than that. I thought that was interesting. It was very you know, foreboding there. Do you think they're going to kill Cooper? I don't think so. Um, and spoilers, uh, th- there have been some rumors out from some leaked pages that uh, apparently Cooper is going to be put into the Senate. Um, he's going to at least run for a Senate seat. Apparently Harry Lennox, has, uh, he's on some sort of DC movie, some Justice League mm-hmm. movie, Um 
I heard something about him opening up a theater in New York. The man is incredibly busy, as he should be. I mean, he's insanely talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we're going to see Cooper take a step back. I'm wondering after this episode if he's going to take that Senate seat to get into it and try to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be a great way to have him and, and, uh, and you know, as a, as a guest star instead of a... Exactly. It, it makes sense to he's doing something in the background. And so, I mean, I, I hope they don't kill him, but I also, I mean, it could be that that leads to a place where he gets to the answer and then suddenly he gets killed. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I, if they go, hey, season 10 blacklist, I don't have high hope. And that that's the route that they're going, that he's finding the answer there. If they have season 10 of Blacklist, I don't have high hopes for Cooper's survivability. Mm-mm. Who will be in charge of the Blacklist, of the of the task force? That's an interesting question because, and we discussed it a bit last yeah. week, that Wrestler, while he is on paper the natural choice, he's already done it once and he said, I'm not interested, in, like I, I kick down doors. That's what I do. I'm a field agent. Uh, he has no real interest in becoming the next Cooper. So who is it going to be? I mean, Park's way too young. Um, Aram. Aram. I've been saying. This surrenders to assistant director Moshtabai. But the thing is, Aram is not FBI. He's NSA. No, but he's now FBI. Is he? Well, I guess when he got field certified, maybe. But um, maybe he switched over officially to the FBI. Um, I think he was so, always brought over from NSA to... Yeah, it was always kind of vague, kind of like the Mossad versus mm-hmm. FBI. They, they got really blurry on their lines there. Um, so I, I don't know uh, what the answer is there. I don't... I, I, maybe my vote, for, my vote is that it's going to be um, around... That there is a reason why they made him put in the field and they made him, you know, that you can see how he has come, how far he has come. Because I think that what what Wrestler has done is get as far as possible from the kind of person who could run the task force. Yeah, I agree. He's compromised. He has secrets. He has skeletons. Um, I think that that and he is just not interested. And he, he I mean, makes that bad choices. Like we've just we've seen him where Aram has made bad choices and then turned around and made better ones. Wrestler's been doing the direct opposite lately. So normally, like he made sometimes solid choices. It depends. I mean, he's been kind of back and forth over the years, but right now. He's really emotional about things. The the man that sat there and said, you know, the book says this, you know, um, in season one is turning around and letting his former partner bomb a hospital and get away with it. Yeah. Like she bombs a hospital and he turns around and sleeps with her that night. Like, no, wrestler. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. It's too much. Um. I don't think that 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 would go the. I think that the reason why they made Arambi like feel certified and we're we're they're showing us how Aram has grown is because they're grooming him to be the next one. Yeah, and you may be right there. Yeah, it's just um, you know, it. I love the idea. Yeah, I mean, I I would just be kind of bummed with. Losing Cooper, but I think it may be the route we're going. It, it will be a very interesting way, though, to do it if they put him in Congress and now he's inside, because that could be exactly going to where the alternative storyline was for Fitch, which was that he ran for president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we've been circling there because we had Anna McMahon with that complete weird plot. That really, when you thought about it, didn't make a lot of sense unless that is meant to connect with the mythology further on. If that it was supposed that Anna McMahon was really trying to keep Robert Diaz in power at whatever rate, because whatever, whoever was coming was worse. 
or was connected to the cabal or was compromised, then that whole thing makes sense. And now what happened is now you have that president that is in the White House and that may be the, or that may be a mall or that may be a Russian asset. I mean, we don't know where this is going, but I think that at the end, all of this, just the way that things have been connecting, I think we are going towards a connection which suddenly all of those things that have been all over the place will be taking in and it will be a nice, neat, neat little package. Yeah, certainly hope so. Uh, I would love to have some of those really bizarre choices like the animate man. Makes sense. Yeah, all those redheads that are trouble. They got to go somewhere. We are trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Hannah Baker's a a ginger, so. Mm -hmm. All right, well, do you have anything else? I don't. All right, guys. Well, you can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can chat with us. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit. And uh, if you're stateside and snowed in, be safe. I hope everybody has power and water and food in your fridges. Stay safe. Yep. Until next time. Bye-bye.